day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Live with Doug. We are thinking through God's Word together. Glad you could join us. So today we are heading into this stretch of Isaiah that is um, sure to provoke some, uh, some interesting thoughts for all of us. This is a hard section, and it's hard for a variety of reasons, as we will see. Uh, I am going to try to keep these shorter chunks. I know I said that, and yesterday we went a little long, and I, anytime I introduce eschatology, that's... <laughs> That's what's going to happen. Uh, but we're just going to go along in bite-sized portions, and I'm just asking you to stay with me, stay humble, stay teachable, and let's all look at the Word together. The, one of the problems, I say this all the time, one of the problems we run into is we read the writings of men, and we grab verses, and we think we know what those verses mean because we have our presuppositions, our system of theology, and then we find a verse that fits that, and we camp on that. Uh, I'm trying to dr- bring us back to reading the Bible over and over and over again, really understand the flow and the context uh, of, of all of these passages. And so later on, maybe not as much today, but certainly later on uh, through this section, we're going to find some things that can be a little bit challenging unless we are very well versed with the scripture. So, let me uh, let me introduce it by reading the first uh, four verses here of Isaiah twenty four, and then uh, see if I can help you put this in proper context. So it begins with this: Behold, the Lord lays the earth waste, devastates it, distorts its surface, and scatters its inhabitants. And the people will be like the priest, the servant like his master, the maid like her mistress, the buyer like the seller, the lender like the borrower, the creditor like the debtor. All right, I interrupt this program here. Keith is saying, you lost me. Um, I'm not showing any breakup on my end. Are the rest of you, uh, am I gone or do you have me? Please, uh, if the rest of you could give me some indication, and I'm going to move on in case you did lose me, then you'll have to come back and watch this uh, later. Verse 3, the earth will be completely laid waste and completely despoiled, for the Lord has spoken his word. The earth mourns and withers, the world fades and withers, the exalted of the people of the earth fade away. All right, Martin, Peter, say you got me, so um, Keith must be on your end. Okay, so we see phrases like this, earth waste, uh, the surface of the earth distorted, the inhabitants scattered, scattered, uh, the earth being completely laid waste, completely despoiled, the earth mourning, the world fading, and our thought when we see phrases like that is, this is cosmic destruction right we think of we think of the end the end right the 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 world burning up that this is isaiah with a vision of the annihilation of this earth as we know it maybe ushering in the new heavens a new earth i don't think so i don't think so If we read the Old Testament, we're going to see these terms, this language used repeatedly in uh, in similar ways. Now, first of all, one thing to keep in mind is we have been 
watching as Isaiah describes devastation coming in in just a short time upon basically what was known the known world at the time. Uh, let me uh, let me pull up the map we've been using here. Uh, so you've got the northern kingdom there in the green, southern kingdom Judah, and then you see up the very top Phoenicia. That's Tyre and Sidon. We've got Aram. Capital city is Damascus. Down in the bottom right there, you got Moab and Edom. You got Philistia over on the uh, the west side of Judah. And I don't. I, I, this, I should have got a different map, I guess. If you go down a little bit further from Judah, you get into Egypt and Cush, Ethiopia, some of those areas, right? This was the known world. If, if you go a little further east of what my map shows here, you've got Babylon and Assyria is up north. This is the known world in Isaiah's day. We think of the globe, but in their setting, if you talked about devastating all the inhabitants of the earth, it would be pretty much these areas that that are on the map here. That's the earth they knew. That was where the vast majority of of the world population was. So it's certainly within reason if you're thinking of the uh, devastation of the earth and the inhabitants of the earth of thinking that all that he's already described fits that criteria as Assyria comes and burns down cities and carries off uh, nation after nation into exile. And then shortly thereafter, Babylon's going to come and conquer all that same land. It is, it is appropriate to view that is as the Lord scattering and destroying the inhabitants of the earth. There's not a, there's not an inherently cosmic destruction of the earth as we think of the end times that's not uh, that's not necessary to uh, to match this terminology but i want to narrow the focus a little bit more if we're familiar with the language of the old testament god has already used this language like destruction of the earth uh completely laying waste the earth. He's already used that language in a very specific context. So I'm going to take you back now to the giving of the law. So if you were with us in the uh, the series we did on the law, I can't remember now what we called it, uh, but we went through the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. Remember, we did a series on the Sabbath, and then we did a series on uh, on the law. And uh, yeah, somebody, if you were with us, you can remind me what we called that series. Anyway, you can go back and find it on YouTube. We spent a lot of time unpacking the terms of the covenant, when God made his covenant with the Jews, with Israel at Mount Sinai, the stipulations of the covenant, the terms of the agreement were the Ten Commandments, right? We think we should think of covenant as a contract. And God says, here are the terms of the contract that I'm making with you, Israel. The terms are, number one, have no other gods besides me. Number two, don't make any graven images, right? And on down the line of what we call the Ten Commandments, they're literally, the, the word commandment is not in there anywhere. It's literally the Ten Words, the Ten Words of the Covenant. And keeping the Sabbath was a major one, all those, right? And that's the covenant. And God says, if you keep my covenant, I will pour out abundant blessing on you. But what was the word used if they broke the covenant, what would he pour out on them? Anybody remember? 
or even if you weren't with us in that series, do you know? We looked, I think we did this in that series. I know we've done it in some series. Um, Deuteronomy 28 spends a lot of time describing what would happen to Israel if they broke the covenant. And there's a specific word that's a the parallel to a blessing. Yeah, Janice got it. Curses, right? The curses of the covenant. And it, it's sort of the uh, the mirror image uh, of, of the blessings. The blessings would be great, abundant, uh, temporal blessing, prosperity, wealth, military power, fruitfulness, all of that. And the curses were just the opposite. Military devastation, uh, famine, and, and not prosperity. So the same idea, the same curses and blessings are repeated in Leviticus 26. And I want to go through that uh, with you this morning as we see what's going on in Isaiah 24. Here's what God said in Leviticus. If you walk in my statutes, and the key word here, remember, is this word, if. If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments so as to carry them out. The whole covenant with Israel was based on the word, if. If you obey, I will bless you. If you disobey, I will destroy you. Those were the terms of the contract Israel signed with God. So here we are. If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments so as to carry them out, then I will give you rains in their season so that the land will yield its produce and the trees of the field will bear their fruit. All right. So you see the the first thing promised here is uh, the land is going to produce things. Your, Your crops are going to be abundantly fruitful. You see that? Now, I need to draw attention to something here that will play into our understanding of Isaiah 24. This word land, this is the word Eretz, transliterated, the Hebrew word is Eretz, transliterated it is E-R-E-T-Z, Eretz. I just want to take you back here to Isaiah 24 for a minute. See this word here, earth? Guess what word that is? Eretz. Here, when you see the word earth, you think the whole cosmos as we know it. It's just a word that means land. The Greek word is gay, G-E or gamma epsilon, if you've studied Greek. It doesn't mean the entire globe. It can mean that if the context requires it, but it just is the word for earth, for land, for a portion of land. It's exactly the same word here. I will give you rains. If you keep my commandments, I'll give you rains so that the land, so that the earth will yield its fruit. Okay? Stay with me. Indeed, your threshing will last for you until grape gathering, and grape gathering will last until sowing time. You will thus eat your food to the full and live securely in your Eretz. Whose Eretz? Your Eretz, your land, your earth. You will eat food and live securely in your earth. Okay? He's talking about the land, the the, the earth given to Israel. I shall also grant peace in the land. Guess what that word land is? 
Eretz. I mispronounced it a moment ago. Eretz, not Ertz. <laughs> Eretz. I will give you peace in the earth so that you may lie down with no one making you tremble. I will also eliminate harmful beasts from the earth, even though it's translated and from the Eretz, and no sword will pass through your Eretz, your land, your earth. So I'll protect you from beasts and I'll protect you from um, violence from other nations. But you will chase your enemies and they will fall before you by the sword. Five of you will chase away a hundred. A hundred of you will chase away 10,000 and your enemies will fall before you by the sword. So you see that they will have military dominance over all the other nations. So I will turn toward you and make you fruitful and multiply you and I will confirm my covenant with you. This, this old covenant, we call it the, the Mosaic covenant, the Sinai covenant, the, the covenant that he's describing. These are the terms of it. I will confirm it with you. You will eat the old supply and clear out the old because of the new. So you're going to eat all your old food and you're going to, you're going to throw away the stuff because you're going to have so much new stuff, new food. Moreover, I will make my dwelling among you and my soul will not reject you. I will also walk among you and be your God and you shall be my people. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the Eretz of Egypt. Do you see that? The land of Egypt or the earth of Egypt. This word does not inherently connote the entire globe. There, the, the, the Israeli earth was not the same as the earth of Egypt. It simply describes a land mass, an area. So that you would not be their slaves. So I'm the God who brought you out of Egypt, so you would not be their slaves. I broke the bars of your yoke and made you walk erect. But... If you do not obey me, right? So all those blessings are if you do obey, here's what's going to happen if they don't obey. If you do not carry out all these commandments, if instead you reject my statutes and if your soul abhors my ordinances so as to not carry out all my covenants and so break my covenant, if you break the contract, I in turn will do this to you. I will appoint over you a sudden terror consumption and fever that will waste away the eyes and cause the soul to pine away. Also, you will sow your seed uselessly for your enemies will eat it up. I will set my face against you so that you will be struck down before your enemies and those who hate you will rule over you and you will flee when no one is pursuing you. If also after these things you will not obey me, then I will punish you seven times more for your sins. I will also break down your pride of power. How many times have we seen in Isaiah God condemning the Jews because of their pride, their arrogance? He said, God says, I will break it down. I will also make your sky like iron and your erits like bronze, your land, your earth like bronze. Your strength will be spent uselessly for your Eretz will not yield its produce and the trees of the land or Eretz will not yield their fruit. You see how they keep translating this differently? It's the same word, earth, land, whatever. So uh, God's judgment is going to be they're going to not have food. If then you act with hostility against me and are unwilling to obey me, I will increase the plague on you seven times according to your sins. I will let loose among you the beast of the field, which will bereave you of your children. 
and destroy your cattle and reduce your number so that your roads lie deserted. This word deserted is often translated desolate. If you were with us in the Romans uh, 9 through 11 series that we called What About Israel? You know how important that word desolate or desolation is in Isaiah. Your roads, he says, will be deserted. It'll be desolate. And if by these things you are not turned to me, but act with hostility against me, then I will act with hostility against you. And I, even I, will strike you seven times for your sins. I will also bring upon you a sword... What's a sword do? Who wields the sword? I will bring upon you a sword which will execute vengeance for the covenant. And when you gather together in your cities, I will send pestilence among you so that you shall be delivered into enemy hands. When I break your staff of bread, 10 women will bake your bread in one oven and they will be bring back your bread in rationed amounts so that you will eat and not be satisfied. You'll have a little, but you're going to be on the edge of starvation. Yet if in spite of this you do not obey but act with hostility against me, then I will act with wrathful hostility against you, and I, even I, will punish you seven times for your sins. Further, you will eat the flesh of your sons and the flesh of your daughters you will eat. The siege will get so bad that they will resort to cannibalism, to eating their own children. I will then destroy your high places, their places of worship that were scattered all over the land, and cut down your incense altars and heap your remains on the remains of your idols, for my soul shall abhor you. It is so important as we go through this section of Isaiah 24 to 27 that you keep this in mind. God says, I'm going to destroy your high places. You have, you have built these high places to idols all over the lands and all the mountains, all the, the, the foothills and such. You, you've, you've, you've continued over the centuries to build these places to worship Asherah and Baal and all this. And he says, God says, I'm going to cut it down. All these altars, I'm going to, I'm going to destroy it. And I'm going to hate you. That's what, Look what he says. My soul shall abhor you. These are the Jews he's talking about. Notice the phrasing here. I will lay waste your cities. Whose cities? The Jews' cities. What will he do to them? I will lay them waste and make your sanctuaries, holy places, temple, desolate. And I will not smell your soothing aromas the, uh, uh, the, that comes from the burning of incense and so on. I will make your or the arets desolate. I will make the earth desolate. I will make the land desolate. In this context, what does it mean to make the land desolate or the earth desolate? Does this mean he's going to destroy the cosmos? No. It means he's going to destroy Jerusalem and the other cities of the Jews. Right? So lock that in your thinking. Making the earth or land desolate, laying waste the cities, those are parallel statements. 
so that your enemies who settle in it will be appalled over it. You, however, I will scatter among the nations and will draw out a sword after you as your <laughs> earth or land or Eretz becomes desolate and your cities become waste. A couple more passages here following on. Then the land will enjoy its Sabbaths all the days of the desolation. While you are in your enemy's land, then the land will rest and enjoy its Sabbaths. All the days of its desolation, it will observe the rest, which it did not observe on your Sabbaths while you were living on it. One of the rebukes that God has for Israel throughout the prophets is, I gave you my Sabbath and you did not keep it. I gave you my Sabbath days and you, you didn't. Well, my land will enjoy its Sabbaths. Because remember every seven years, the, the whole land was to enjoy Sabbath. And then every 50 years, the Jubilee, they weren't to uh, plant and reap and all that. Uh, and, and the Jews didn't do any of that. And God says, oh, the land will have its Sabbaths because I'm going to take you out of here and burn down the cities and then the land will rest. Okay, did I sufficiently make my point? So with that in mind, in the context of God, repeatedly in Isaiah, warning the Jews of the coming wrath and judgment on the city. Now let's go back and look at Isaiah 24. Behold, the Lord lays the Eretz waste. He lays the land waste. He lays the earth waste. Not cosmic, not end of time, destroying the earth with fire kind of thing. No, no, no. This is a, uh, Isaiah, again, seeing the destruction of Israel and some of the surrounding nations, right? He, that's, that's the point he's been making all the way through is when God begins to bring out his judgment on Israel and Judah, it's also going to include Moab and Edom and Philistia and, and Egypt and, and Edom. We saw all these. That's what we've been looking at. He's, he's already predicted this is going to come. The Lord's going to waste the land. He's going to devastate it, distort its earth, scatter its inhabitants. And everybody is going to be treated equal when God brings this judgment upon Israel. The people will be like the priest, the servant like the master, the maid like her mistress, the buyer like the seller, the lender like the borrower, the creditor like the debtor. No one is going to escape. High class doesn't get spared. Low class is not any worse. Priests even. Everybody. The whole, God is, is, is not going to be partial. He's going to judge them all. The earth will be completely laid waste. The earth, the Eretz, the land, and completely despoiled for the Lord has spoken. The earth, Eretz, mourns and withers. The world fades and withers. The exalted of the people of the earth fade away. The earth is also polluted under its inhabitants, literally, for they have transgressed laws. This makes perfect sense in light of what I just read to you, right? Because they've transgressed the laws, because the Jews broke the covenant, God's going to wipe them out. They have violated statutes. In fact, this word violated is the word um, that is a little more geared toward um, innovation. So it's not only that they have have disobeyed the actual laws, but they've, they've changed them. They've altered them. Well, that's exactly what the Jews did. They twisted them around to, to meet their own desires. Okay. 
Now, then look at this one. They broke the everlasting covenant. Now, you may think that's as simple as the old covenant, but now we look at this and say, wait a minute, that old covenant is over. Yeah, so words, right? Words. We tend to bring so many presuppositions to things. Um, like earth, when you think of earth, I've, I've hopefully, <laughs> I've hopefully exhausted this point that I've made it so much like, okay, I got it, I got it, I got it. Earth does not always mean the whole cosmos, that kind of thing. Well, everlasting, this is going to test you. Everlasting doesn't always mean everlasting, not in the way we think of it. For instance, the Aaronic priesthood, the priesthood of Aaron, we are told it is everlasting. The Hebrew word is olam. We know that does not mean absolutely unending because the Aaronic priesthood is over. And you might say, well, it's fulfilled in Christ. Well, not exactly. It's not the Aaronic priesthood that is fulfilled in Christ, is it? Which priesthood is fulfilled in Christ? The writer of Hebrews makes a big deal of this, that Jesus did not come as an Aaronic priest. He doesn't belong, right? He can't be a priest in the order of Aaron because he's of the wrong tribe. In order to be a Jewish priest in the order of Aaron, you have to be a Levite. Jesus was not from the tribe of Levi. He was the tribe of Judah. And the writer of Hebrews makes a big deal of this, that he's not a priest in the order of Aaron. He's a priest in the order of Melchizedek, who preceded Levi. Right? Everlasting does not always mean absolutely unending. That's important. Some people see this everlasting covenant and they say, oh, this somehow relates to the new covenant. How do you get that? Look, he's talking about, he's talking to Jews under the old covenant. They've transgressed laws. They violated statutes. Everything in the context and the context of what we have seen fits perfectly with the old covenant and the Jews. Well, it's simple. God already used this phrase to talk about the Sabbath. Look at Leviticus here, chapter uh, 24. Every Sabbath day, he, talking about Aaron, every Sabbath day, he shall set it in order before the Lord continually as an everlasting covenant for the sons of Israel. He's talking about the Sabbath. The everlasting covenant here is the Sabbath and what Aaron is to do on the Sabbath. That's what he's talking about here. He's simply adding, piling on three different phrases here to describe the old covenant. The earth is polluted. Why? The land, the Eretz, is polluted. Why? Because they, the Jews, transgressed the laws, violated statutes, and broke the Sabbath. That's the point. Therefore, a curse devours 
the Eretz. A curse devours the earth. God is warning the Jews here through Isaiah. He's going to bring upon them the curses of the Old Covenant. Curse devours the Eretz, the land, and those who live in it are held guilty. Therefore, the inhabitants of the Eretz, the earth, are burned, and few men are left. The new wine mourns, the vine decays, and all the merry-hearted sigh. The gaiety of tambourines ceases. The noise of revelers stops. The gaiety of the harp ceases. Remember all the partying that we read about? They said in Jerusalem, after they fortified the city, they they tore down their houses and, and fortified the walls, and they got their water supply, and they said, eat, drink, be merry, for tomorrow we die. We may lose all this, but we're going to party it up. And God says, yeah, party it up. But the time is coming when the party's over. They do not drink wine with song. Strong drink is bitter to those who drink it. The city of chaos is broken down. Every house is shut up so that none may enter. Do you see? This is, he's now describing Jerusalem as a city of chaos. What's interesting about that word, chaos is not exactly the, the best term. This is the word tahu, which is used in Genesis chapter 1, when it says the earth is formless and void, and then God makes order out of it. It's the same word. God uses it here. Uh, where is it here? In uh, uh, Deuteronomy 32, when God is calling Israel to remember what he did for them. He says, remember the days of old, consider the years of all generations, ask your father and he will inform you, your elders, they will tell you. When the Most High gave the nations their inheritance, when he separated the sons of man, he set the boundaries of the peoples according to the numbers of the sons of Israel. For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the allotment of his inheritance. He found him in a desert land. So you see the imagery God is saying, Hey, when you go into the promised land, ask your parents, ask your grandparents. When God distributed the land to the sons of Israel, ask them to remember what was the state of Israel when God called her. The Lord's portion, Jacob, is his inheritance. He found him in a desert land. And in the howling waste of a wilderness, this word waste is that word tohu. He was in this wilderness, this waste of a land, unformed, and God grabbed him and made him the pupil of his eye. Well, that's the same word here. Now, God's going to return his people back to this sense of formless waste. How? He's going to bring Babylon and destroy them all and send the survivors into exile. And every house is going to be shut up so that no one can enter it. It's going to be wiped out. There's an outcry in the streets concerning the wine. All joy turns to gloom. The gaiety of the Eretz, the land, the earth, it's banished. Desolation is left in the city and the gate is battered to ruins. Friends, I don't think any of this 
at least in these first 12 verses of chapter 24, are talking about our future or the destruction of the world. It all fits perfectly in Isaiah's context and in the context of the old covenant that this is God bringing judgment on the nation of Israel. All right, Peter's got a statement here, and then we're going to wrap this up for the day. The Hebrew word for broke for broke could also be cast off and disannulled. Could this be that they cast off the new covenant? Only a thought is when you move into chapter 25, you're going to see New, new Testament talk. Yeah, maybe, but don't go there yet. Don't go there yet. Right? Let's let's let it uh, let, let's like the let's let the context demand that. I know you're you're reading ahead. That's good, uh, and and we will see some things certainly that the New Testament quotes, and so we've got to wrestle with that. So absolutely glad you're thinking that, but let's let's go along slowly. And, and when we get to those passages where the New Testament quotes them and gives us the fulfillment. Then, if we are forced to come back and say maybe we don't understand this section rightly, then let's do that. But for now, just as we work our way through it, let's uh, uh, let's just let the context uh, speak to this point. Does that make sense? So, yeah, great great observation. Let's just hang on as as we go through this. But I hope you'll see at least at first reading at least. Uh, this very easily fits into not a worldwide cosmic destruction, not a long-term future destruction, but what Isaiah has been saying all along, God is going to bring upon Israel the curses of the old covenant. All right, got to go. Thanks for your time. I hope this is good for you. Come back tomorrow and we'll keep working our way through it. Have a great day.